Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God! Deep to right field, way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome in everyone to episode 165 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Joined tonight by. Drum roll. I don't have I don't have a keyed up. Uh George and Zach. You can follow them on Twitter. George is at Roto underscore Nino. Zach is at Braff Z. Gentlemen, welcome in and happy new year to you, Zach. Yes. Happy New Year to you guys. I'm finally focused on uh on baseball again after that football season is finally done. You're I gotta welcome. say, thank you to Mike Curlin <laughs> and many others. I went three for three in my leagues this not, year. Not George. Don't worry about George. Don't yeah, think no. George. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> George helped me be a little bit here and there. Curlin, you told no, me to pick I, up. You told I me gave to pick up, up Rashad weeks weeks before I should have, and it all worked out. But now we're focused on baseball. Yeah, man. I mean, that's what SK Playbook is all about: winning, where champions are made. And you are in that Slack, even though, or in the Discord. I, can, I don't know. I came to some own product. Um, you are in that <laughs> Discord, but you also have access to us 24 7 via text. Anyway, but yes, the Discord as little as $2.99 a month. We talk fantasy football, fantasy baseball, shameless plug, and we are in there talking every day about something. Usually now it's baseball yeah. season, so it's full baseball stuff. But enough about that. George, what's up, man? What's up, man? I, I, I completely, I'm sticking to baseball, completely giving up football. <laughs> <laughs> Football's just, it's not the same, man. Like, I try to take up an like, analytical approach. I try to look at, like, deeper stats. And there are some to be seen. But I think as long as, like, opportunity mixed with, like, just, like, you see the opportunity and target share and all that, you keep it as simple as that. I find success follows. Now, there are obviously more advanced metrics and ways to go about it, but it's not quite what baseball offers in terms of analysis and the depth of the player pool, the amount of player analysis that you need to do, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's a game of skill compared to a game of luck, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just ready to enjoy the playoffs, and I'm glad the fantasy is over. So, I mean, oh, I don't want to play fantasy next year. At least your real-life team enjoy the is playoffs, good, but I'm. I couldn't be happier that fantasy baseball is picking up. I mean, you know, hopefully we get a get a. Don't you, you bring know, that negativity kind of on here? <laughs> yeah, on uh, 
on the season, you know, starting and all that, the negotiations going on. Yeah, I'm just There's glad negotiation happy, tomorrow. happy to talk fantasy and be drafting. It's, I've been drafting since November, so. You haven't stopped. You've been drafting no. out. You've been drafting more than me. You're a degenerate, that George. Usually, that, that's never been the case, George. Welcome to being on this side of things where you're drafting 15 teams before january um, yeah i'm going on vacation next week and then um, that's my vacation from drafting and then i'm coming back after a week. and drafting, um, be, drafting what are you gonna do with yourself right. on vacation when you without your phone you can't draft what are you gonna do sit on a beach yeah yeah it can be you know having some <laughs> enjoy drinks, sitting on a beach Enjoy the time away from your phone. Thinking about which drafts I'm going to do when I get back. <laughs> Thinking about, I got to buy that three-pack of DCs now when, when I get back. Are you going to stick to just DCs? You're going to do any OCs or anything like that? Any, any leagues like that? Or are you just going to stick to the 150s and whatnot? I'm probably going to stick to as many, like, mostly 15-teamers. So I know those OCs are 12 teams. Um I'll main probably event? do. You're gonna do a main. You're gonna do, you're gonna do the main. You're gonna do probably it. Probably not this year. I, I probably I probably won't do a main this year. I'll just probably stick to a lot of DCs. I'll just probably just do a handful of, uh, more DCs and then. Um, yeah, we got yeah. we got our battle of the pod stuff going on. We got TDFBI. So there's plenty of other other drafts. To do. Uh, I'll probably minimize my my fab leagues to maybe three or four. But um, yeah, mostly mostly draft and holds and stuff because that's pro- that's easiest for me to manage. I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do in-season management more than I have to. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. sticking to DCs. I'll do some more fifties because the fifties are fun to look at your team and think, wow, this is a loaded team. Because every time you compare it to a fifteen team, it feels that way. Plus, it reminds you, like tonight, we're gonna talk about it. Our rankings, our rank. I'm trying to set my rankings up for twelve teamers because that's what majority of the people that follow me play twelve or shallower. But we will talk about some discrepancies in terms of draft strategy. We're going to talk about catcher, the catcher and first base, first base position. We're going to discuss, um, I don't know why I copy and pasted two catcher formats into first base draft strategy on our outline, but we're going to talk about everything from two catcher formats to one catcher, the difference in approach, maybe some names we like more in shallow formats compared to deeper formats, kind of do positional breakdowns like that. And then we're going to discuss our biggest differences in terms of disputes in our ranks. By us, I mean, George and I, Zach's going to uh, moderate that one. So Zach's going to put on his best hosting cap and uh see what he can do and he has zero prep all he has is what my idea is he's got to look at these ranks which i don't even know if you have the have them in front of you you're gonna look at these ranks and pick out the ones that are uh biggest discrepancies me and george talked about this before you got on the show zach so we know who our biggest discrepancies are you have no idea <laughs> and we you want to find out soon enough we will find will out add soon it enough. to the i'll add it to the outline uh so throughout the show i'll sneak it on there for you um, anyway, so with that being said, Zach, I know you've been mostly doing Dynasty this offseason, which a normal person does. George and I have been doing a whole bunch of redraft. Focusing on redraft, starting with catchers, I know, such a fun position. Uh, <laughs> just overall draft strategy, uh, start with you, Zach. 12-teamer, shallower formats, 10s, 12s, one-catcher leagues in general. How do you, do you typically go for a high-end catcher? Do you like, like to fall back and just take some shots at the end? Maybe mix it up. Where do you where do you typically go in a shallower format? I mean, I typically rarely go for the top guys. Um, I mean, the top three in, in Perez, Real Muto, Smith. I mean, I haven't ended up with any of those three in the drafts that I've done this year so far. Um, I likely will not end up with those three. I like kind of going for maybe the middle of the pack, whether it be Contreras or uh, honestly, Kybert Ruiz is probably my favorite target so far. 
Um, in the dynasty draft that I've done, I ended up with Rutschman in a few, just because of the proximity. I feel like he'll make an impact this year. But in terms of redraft, probably avoiding him. Um, but Ruiz is probably the best target. Just I love the playing time. I think he's going to get a lot of run in Washington. And I feel like that job is his, and he should be playing every day. And especially if the DH comes to the NL. I mean, I know you've been talking about it. I've seen it on Twitter. Just a lot of these catchers, they will be getting more plate appearances, uh, being able to slot into the DH. And some of them can even possibly shift to first base. But um, I rarely find myself in 12s and 15-teamers going for the top guys. Um, what about you guys? I mean, I, I've seen a lot of guys being being high on guys like Varsho this year. I mean, is, is that either of you? You guys go for the top guys or what? I like Varsho, but um, I think it depends on format for me. Uh, real quick, when it comes to shallower formats, one catcher leagues, I take lottery tickets. i rather wait. Like, I'm not a big Alejandro Kirk guy in two catcher leagues and 15 teamers right now because Although you can argue Kirk and he's a good, he's a guy I wanted to make sure we discussed because Kirk is a guy that depending on your format makes him more or less valuable in my opinion, because right now there's no clear path to playing time. And Kirk is a guy that you can argue has the best hit tool at the catcher position. And because there's no clear playing time in leagues that are 15 teams, two catchers, I like somebody who's more secured in playing time and getting and for sure going to get those at bats. And yes, there's a path to those at bats if he gets traded, but that's a big if. You never know how t- if they're if they're going to trade for trade him or if any of that happens. I I just I think there's a lot of question marks there. So in a one catcher league where I typically wait on catcher, I would take a shot on him at the end, knowing I can find something off the waiver wire or whatnot uh, later on. Because at that point you're streaming catcher anyway. Whereas in a two in a two catcher format, I almost treat I almost treat those formats. Uh, similarly to how I treat closers when it comes to two catchers. I like to target one of those guys. Like I'm big on Varsho. Varsho and Contreras are the two guys and even Grandall. I'll usually try to get one of those three and then get a guy that's towards like the 20-ish range in my rankings. So I go almost like a stud-dud approach with catchers. And I do the same thing with closers. I like to take one closer early and then fall back on those middle, you know, those middle teens guys as my second closer. So I, I kind of approach both those positions very similarly in drafts. George, do you have anything to, uh, that you do any different or? Yeah. So like in, in 15 teamers, I'm more likely to like wait on catcher just because, you know, the opportunity cost is greater in a 15 team league. So, you know, where I'm taking someone like a uh, Kybert Ruiz, like, you know, that in that range, like you're getting, you're, there's still really good, like outfielders some some good middle infielders. Um, and, and so you know, you'll find like, You'll find that the hitting pool, especially like in outfield and stuff where you have to fill five outfielders, you'll find that like starting outfielders, decent ones will dry up by about like two pick 250, 260. So I for me, I'm fine waiting on catcher in like a 15 team league um, as opposed to like a 12 team league or shallower. Like I'll, I'll take, you know, because you have more more picks, more chances to to make things up. Um, I'll take a top catcher. I'll take a, a real mutual. I'll take a a VAR show. I, I'm probably not taking Perez this year. He's going just a bit too high for me. But uh, any of the other catchers, I'm, I'm after uh, Perez, I, I'm fine taking uh, like in a 12-team league. Uh, and then, I mean, also like in a shallower league, you know, you want the better players at each position. And for me, like I trust myself more to find an impact outfielder or to find an impact, um, you know, middle infielder on the waiver wire than I am to find an impact catcher. You're just not going to find an impact catcher uh, coming up on the waiver wire, like at any point this season, you know, unless it is 
like an, unless someone does drop Adley Rushman or something, if he doesn't start in the majors or, you know, something like that. But otherwise, yeah, you're not finding many impact catchers on the waiver wire. So I'll, I'll take one in a, in a shallower league. Wouldn't the counter argument be for, for doing something similar in deeper formats? Because you mentioned standing out in shallower leagues at a position, but wouldn't you be standing out even more? at catcher in a deeper league when there's less to go around and the scarcity grows. I think you can argue that same argument in terms of getting a better catcher in a deeper format and starting off. That's why I like to go with Varsho. Varsho is the main guy I target because I feel like he, he, it's like that it's where the upside, the catcher position meets the, the, that price to acquire. I enjoy, I, I like him. He goes around pick 100, but then I'm, I'm, I have a solid base. He gives you that little added speed. You know, the playing time is going to be there because he's going to play other stuff besides catcher. And Varsho is a guy that kind of, I enjoy in two catcher leagues because he gives you that speed at the catcher position, gives you a, a upper hand. And now you're only looking for one catcher and you kind of have that again, that I'm willing to pay the price there because it just, the price meets the, potential yeah. for me he's the he's the one example and then you have Contreras who falls i really like him i really like Contreras who falls a little bit and, and grandall you know what you're getting with grandall like those are the three guys that if i miss on like i don't take the top three guys in 15 teamers but you are right i like what you're saying about 12 teamers i will do i will be more likely to take a top three guy minus salvi if that adp mm-hmm. continues because he's going like top 40 right now but Yes, I do like in 15 teamers. I just want to drive home the point that I really do like getting a difference maker at catcher. And I think those yeah. two guys are difference makers and they're going at a price where at that point you could build your team around taking a catcher in that part of the draft. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I will say that the one guy I will be willing to take high is Dalton Varsho just because of the difference he can make with the stolen bases and the playing time there at the catcher position. And then where he's going, like I've seen him fall like just outside of the top 100 and uh, you'll see kind of a, you'll see kind of a tear break of hitters there, like at right outside of a hundred uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, you could be comfortable taking someone at 110 or 150 and it's not a huge difference. So, you know, I, I wouldn't mind taking Varsho there. That's the one guy that I'll take. I feel like everybody is talking about Varsho right now. I feel like his price is just going to continue to fly up here. I mean, he's going ADP right now since, what, de- December 1st in NFBC. I mean, he's going right around pick 100. I mean, do you think we're looking maybe like a top 75 player? I mean, are you willing to pay that price in a couple of months here? Well, good thing I draft early. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's, rather, that's the advantage I'd, of drafting now. <laughs> I'd rather not, but yes, the stolen bases are going to continue to push up. Saves will push down a little bit. I think we'll see some, as we get more and more closers secured in roles, you'll see the closer pool kind of expand, maybe the price of them coming down, and then that pushes all the other positions up, which includes catcher, especially a catcher that gives you speed. And Varsho, the, good, the thing about him is um, going back to 2020, he was a guy that, and I'm referencing 2020 because that's when the NL had the DH. Varsho was a guy that was plugged into the DH, into the outfield, and as a catcher. And they made a point to keep his bat in the lineup between those three spots. And fast forward to 2022, there's a good, there's a high likelihood we get the DH, especially after. If I don't know if you saw this thread, um, somebody who broke down the whole article on I think what um was someone put out I forgot who put it out um on ESPN. It was basically saying that both sides want the DH. It's not even a bargaining chip. It's almost like a, hey, we're getting this. So it's almost like I would feel, I feel like I can put like a 90% like in my head. Like I'm putting it out there about 90% chance we get the DH. So someone like that, if if they, and the team hasn't changed much since 2020, it's still a dumpster fire. So besides trying to keep Marte healthy, giving him added DH at bats, I think Varsho is another guy that gains more at bats via the DH. And 
Varsho was a perfect six for six last year in stolen base attempts. So even if he's not the fastest player, if you're that successful on the base pass, you're going to get the green light. So I think 10 stolen bases is the floor instead of the ceiling. And we know that the hit, maybe he hits closer to 250, but I think the speed, the quality of speed in terms of him not being a, a, a really a, a zero anywhere, and the fact that the playing time is going to be there probably more so than your average catcher, you're going to see all this. And then the hype, as you see the hype build and everybody else, more and more people talking about him. I think what it is is you're in our, again, going back to the Discord, me, Ryan, everyone's in there talking him up. Yes, we love <laughs> ourselves. Super high on him. Ryan has him as his number one catcher, and that's not crazy. Um, I think he's the second person I've seen do that. Jeez. And But he has conviction in his – one thing about Ryan, he has his conviction for sure, in his, in, and he's very big on like, – now, if you could talk him down off of it, he'll, he'll listen – but he stands by him. He stands by his uh, his thought process and his projections, unless he's given a very good reason not to. And I Tyler Stevenson I was a good reason. I haven't typically watched the Diamondbacks play, so I really haven't seen him play a ton. But I mean, defensively, how is he? Because if he, if, if he struggles <laughs> out of the gates hitting, I mean, they're not going to keep him in the lineup because of his defensive prowess here. So if he's not hitting, I mean, I think it could be he could definitely have that bust label to him, especially Go if. Go look at the roster, though. Who's gonna like? Are they not gonna? You don't think they're gonna let him hit through his struggles? I don't see why they wouldn't. Type of thing. It's I mean, a terrible. Luke Cattell back out to center. You got Carson Kelly a catcher. I'm just saying, if he struggles at well, hitting, there's Kelly's not. Kelly's the starting catcher. I think. I think this is more of a. He's gonna maybe catch enough games once or twice. Yes, week, he's he's gonna mm-hmm. exactly. He's gonna be the fill in the blank catcher. The well, both these catchers are tired. Let's let's give him a chance. I think Varsho gets maybe 20 starts at catcher, maybe. And that's going to be just enough to retain his um, catcher eligibility. But even if he doesn't, who cares? I don't want him catching. I just want him playing. So <laughs> as long as we can keep his bat in the lineup. Everybody really just how. wants him for his stolen bases. Let's yes. be real. <laughs> and, and, well, he, if you look at Real Muto and Varsho, there's very little difference. The only difference is Real Muto is a proven asset. Varsho yeah. is a Real Muto light. He's a poor man's Real Muto with a similar ceiling, but the lower floor. That's where the difference is. Yeah. I just have concerns about that price. I likely will not be paying that, but let me know how it goes for you. I'm, I'm curious to uh, see I mean, how it ha- works out for you. I have them on like two of my early teams, I think, already. I have them in, I think I have my last two. Nope, I only got them on one. I keep wanting them when somebody keeps taking them. Like people keep taking them ahead of me. Stop drafting with Ryan and George. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> but um, other than that, that's kind of catchers as a whole. Real quick, uh, I guess, should, how do you guys want to do this? Do you want to talk about the strategy of first base, or do you want to go into our catcher disputes? Because we only have two of those. Uh, yeah, we can talk about these one. catchers and then move just move the whole yeah, conversation. Yeah, stick with catchers. Well, so much for you moderating, because I never got those names <laughs> written down. Um, the two catchers, though, <laughs> were, yeah, this wasn't planned. You asked randomly. I'm like, sure. And I'm like, wait, you don't have the whole outline. Um, the two catchers. <laughs> Where Eric, I can't, was it, it's Hayes or it's Haas, Eric Haas. I always mess it up. Eric Haas and um, what was the other one? I wrote it down somewhere. Danny this Jansen. is really, Danny Jansen, real professional. Okay, so you are the high guy on both those guys. I'm, I am low. You have Danny Jansen at 12 overall. I have Danny Jansen at 19, and you have Eric Haas at 22, and I have him at 30. I crept him in there at the very end. You're gonna. I mean, I'll defend my case on Haas. I think I think it's very simple on Haas. But let's start with Jansen. You are very high on Jansen. You have him above Alejandro Kirk only by a couple spots. But as of right now, you give the edge to Jansen. Yeah. So I mean, if you look at our rankings, we're pretty much in lockstep, like all the way with through our top ten. 
And that, you know, starts with Sal Perez and it ends with Adley Rutschman at 10. And after that, like, it's pretty much like, I mean, it's it's all <laughs> over the place. Throw them in a bag, like, shake it up. It's, it's almost like exactly. Scrabble. You pick a letter. And I feel like after that, you're kind of just looking for playing time and upside, right? I mean, and so, I, I yeah, I'm a big Danny Jansen fan. Um, and he's going, like, he's going after pick 300. And... I mean, Toronto really likes him. He came back in the second last year, you know, kind of battled a few injuries, uh, you know, hit the IL a couple times with hamstring um, that really hampered him the first half of the season. Then came back and just tore it up in September. Uh, second half, I mean, only 71 plate appearances, but he had 323 uh, with seven home runs. Uh, what was a 14% barrel rate, 55% hard hit rate. And he, he talked about just kind of like really getting out of his head and, and simplifying things at the plate and, um, wanting to carry that over into this year and being motivated by the by the hitters around him. We saw him working out with Teoscar Hernandez and, and Bo Bichette. And, uh, I mean, he's going to play. He's a great catcher. He's going to play. I think he's going to get most of the playing time there behind the plate um, at catcher there with the, the Blue Jays. And obviously, you know, it's a lineup that you want a piece of. So, you know, even if he's hitting at the bottom of it, he's going to be, um, you know, in a position to, to drive in probably more, more – uh, runs in and uh an rbi than you know a lot of of your typical catchers uh going you know in this range and later so yeah i'm i'm really high on danny jansen i think if he could put it together he can he can definitely be a top 10 guy see i'm not anti jansen and it's funny this goes back to I, i'm ranking my ranks for 12 teamers i think kirk has the higher ceiling on offense so for fantasy purposes i put kirk at the same spot you have jansen right at 12 or wherever it was yeah and but in 15s I'm way less. I'm way less. I'm way more down on on Kirk because of um, because of Jansen. Jansen's defense. People, when it comes to catchers, you need to understand that defense will keep them in the game more than their bat. So for right. that, it makes it means a lot more because um, playing time comes from catching. So I'm not against it. I'm just surprised because you mentioned playing time and all that. But even when he was hitting at his best, yeah, he was out. He was playing out playing Kirk. But he was still playing what four games a week, maybe. I know that's kind of common for a catcher, but how much upside is there really? And he's only shown so much. He's only shown so much at the big league level. I feel like it's always like something we've dreamt on with Jansen. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not as high on him. I, guys, I have ahead of him for reference is Max Stassi, Omar Narvaez, and Sean Murphy, which hasn't shown much better at the major league level. Apparently, Zach's dog. Um, <laughs> Elias, Elias Diaz or Elias Diaz. I, I, I always say it wrong. I wish I knew names better. Um, so that's where it's like those are the guys I just trust the playing time more. And, yeah, see, uh, I'm not too worried about the the playing time w- with Jansen. And I mean, I I think you know maybe I am kind of dreaming on the upside here with him. But it's I mean we're talking about these catchers here: Christian Vasquez, Elias Diaz, Omar Navias. I mean, we kind of already know what we're getting here. Um, and yeah, I do have Alejandro Kirk just two spots down. I have Jansen and Sean Murphy, then um, Alejandro Kirk. And I mean, the Blue Jays have been rumored to, you know, be in the trade market. You know that they have uh, Gabriel Moreno coming up. He's knocking yeah. on the door right there. So they, I mean, if if they trade Alejandro Kirk and he finds himself with a starting spot where he can get 350 to 400 plate appearances, uh, I mean, he's he's definitely going to move up uh, my rankings a couple spots here. But as things stand right now, I do have him a couple spots down just because I think, you know, because of Jansen's catching ability, um, he's going to get most of the playing time there. And unless an outfielder goes down, like I still do like Kirk. I think he's going to be fine in in the time that he does play. But I just think um, 
and I do have Kirk at 14, you know, not not too low. Uh, but I for now I'll have him I'll have him below Jansen um, I'm just, until there's I more guess, clarity there. I guess the issue is at least what I'm looking at, and maybe I should move Kirk down as a whole. I think they eat, I think they're gonna be eating too much into each other's playing time. And then you have a team that wants to keep their players healthy. So the DH isn't even gonna be fully available to either one of them. You're gonna see a lot of uh George Springer in the DH, probably Vlag get some days off. You're going to see um, Teoscar DH plenty. You're going to see, um, what's his face, Guriel DH. The reason why I say this is because if you look at it last year, in, in the interleague play and in 2020, they were flipping through a whole bunch of their play, uh, their position players through the DH. So the DH isn't even a clear path for these catchers to get the added at-bats. And I want to make that clear for all NL teams. The added DH, the DH is not guarantee more at-bats for the catcher. It can't. It's going to guarantee more healthy days off for the hitters in lineup and a squeaky chair from Zach. Holy crap, Zach. Squeaks. Yeah, there you go. You can mute it when you're not talking. Anyway, Zach, <laughs> do you want to chime in here at all, buddy, now that you muted your mic? <laughs> Sorry about the squeakiness there, but not really. Um, honestly, this is probably a situation that I'm avoiding in most leagues. Um, George made a good point. Uh, they do seem very high on Marino. I think he makes an appearance at some point this year. Um, and Curlin, you make an, a good point in the fact that I don't think either of these guys is really going to get a ton of DH time. So that's going to hurt both of these guys in the end. Um, I just don't see enough playing time. I would prefer somebody like a Max Stasi or even somebody that I've been targeting super late, like a Jacob Stallings. He's not going to give you anything spectacular offensively, but he's there for for defensive purposes, and he's probably going to play as much as possible. So I'd rather have somebody that I know is going to get more playing time rather than this timeshare, and then especially with a third piece possibly coming in midseason in Marino. So if you had to pick in a draft, who would you take over? You mentioned – actually, you mentioned Stasi or – is it Stacy or Stasi? I don't. Stassi. I, I, I'm supposed to know these things, right? Stasi. Okay. Um, would you take Omar Narvaez over either one of these guys or both these guys right now? Over which guys? Uh, any of the Blue Jays guys. I would probably take Navarez over the Blue Jays guys. Gary Sanchez. That's where I'm gonna put that. I'm oh. gonna put that oh. one out there. <laughs> I'd rather have neither. Is that an option? I guess that is an option because catcher is a dumpster fire. Um, but yeah, we so we can move on. Let's go to Eric Haas. George, you're the Haas guy. You've been you've been talking him up, at least to me, like reasons why you've been in on him, because I've been kind of anti him, but you've been in on him and you're still holding sticking to it, even though they're making more moves, whatnot in Detroit. Why? Yeah, I mean, I have him down at 22, so it's not it's not like terribly yeah, high. I know. I I'm picking, I'm picking, I'm trying to nitpick here because catcher is so bad. We both, I have him at 30, you have him at 22, and I'm trying to um. Yeah, no, but I have anything. noticed in drafts that um that Eric Haas is someone that fall, tends to fall um a lot. And for me, I mean, like I said, you're in this when you're looking for a catcher too in this range, you're kind of just looking for someone that maybe has a standout skill set, maybe someone that's gonna play. Um, and yeah, I mean, Haas, I know they brought in Tucker Barnhart, but I, I do think that there's still, you know, Haas is still going to get, uh, his share of playing time. And we saw him play a bit of the outfield last year. I think that could, uh, carry over at least, uh, into the first part of this season, um, until, you know, someone like Riley Green is up, but, um, I mean, you look, you look at Haas, I mean, when he had, um, 13% barrel rate, 47% hard hit rate, 
I mean, he just smacks the heck out of the ball. 32 barrels, uh, hit 22 homers, 61 RBI, 231. I mean, it's kind of what you're getting in this range, right? I mean, I, I have, I mean, it's not a whole lot different than Max, Max Stassi, who's going, who I have at 18. Um, Mike, Mike Zunino, a couple uh, spots lower. Uh, Gary Sanchez, Carson Kelly. I mean, you're it's kind of all the same here. Um, but I, I do think that the power is legit for Haas, and I think maybe people are discounting him a little too much because of uh, Tar- Tucker Barnhart coming in, but I don't see Barnhart as someone who's going to uh, just take over primary full-time catching duties. No, I, I do think that uh, I do think that Haas is going to get his run there. And, and we saw he could play outfield, so you know he can he can get some a few more plate appearances out there in a pinch yeah i just my my thing is the playing time um i think detroit's continuing i think they're going to continue to add pieces once the lockout ends they went out and got Baez. you know they're obviously trying to do stuff there they have the young guys coming up between um torkelson and riley green so yeah i'm just i see the playing time as limited now and I don't see it getting better with the young pieces coming up and we're likely to be a couple additions. I would, I would guess at least one or two additions to that team to help bolster that lineup around Baez. Cause you don't go out and get Baez and that's all you do. That's, that's all it is, is I don't trust the playing time. I don't trust it. I think it was there last year and it was a fun, like, Oh look, here's a big, here's a guy coming up out of nowhere, hitting for power and sustaining it for a little bit. And there he is back into obscurity. And I think that's what he's going to go to his back. I think he's just going to go fall back into that, that like that, that just no role. That's all. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, right now they have, they have uh, a kill, Badu. Um, right now, I guess pencil penciled in is Victor Reyes in center field. And then Robbie Grossman in right. I mean, we kind of saw Haas playing left field. Um, I don't know if, if it, he was kind of platooning, um, with Badu against lefties. I mean, but I could definitely see that, you know, carrying over a bit. So I don't know. I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm just seeing Haas falling a ton in, in drafts. And um, I think he's being discounted a little too much right now, just because, I mean, I, I do think the power is legit. And I, I think the playing time is a little safer than the, it's being perceived to be right now. George makes some compelling points here, but I'm siding with Curland on this one. It's <laughs> <laughs> really, that's that what level. we should have did. Um, some good points. He he does smack the crap out of the ball, but I just I think the playing time is really the issue. They brought Barnhart in, I think for a reason. I think they want him to help with this young pitching staff, and I think he's really going to be in there as much as possible. By the way, roster resource they have Torkelson locked in as the first baseman right now, so that's a joke. That's 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 not real. That's not going to happen. Um, but Badu, Grossman, and Reyes, um, Reyes's job I guess is kind of up in there, but. It, Eric Haas is not going to overtake him in center field. Um, maybe Willie Castro gets some time out there, but uh, with Miguel Cabrera probably DHing a decent amount, I just don't know if I see the at bats there. And if you're taking a, a flyer late, especially in DCs or two catcher formats, um, I, I just I prefer the playing time. I, I like a more sure thing, and I just don't think that Haas is going to give you that. Even though he did have some had a good stretch last year where he was hitting hitting the crap out of the ball, but I just don't think it's going to be a consistent thing all season long, which is really the, the problem. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of side with Curlin on this one. I don't like you being on my side. It's weird. Go away. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you agree, I, I second, I'm second-guessing myself. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, my, okay. I, I my my screens are all frozen again, so this is gonna be fun. I'm gonna try to get through this with what we have left on. You are screen. frozen. Your picture is I frozen, am. but you sound great. Which makes no sense. I can't even reach again. I don't know what's going on. I think I think there's like a virus on this computer now. All this, you know, all, all the stuff I do on this computer. Um, all the stuff we don't need to know. All the stuff. So we can jump over to first base, and I will record until I have to figure something out here. Anyway, people are just getting the yeah because I can't even scroll down our damn outline to see all the questions at the end. First base, you're gonna play the judge again here, Braff. Um, I don't know why Let's I called you it. by your last name. I don't know why I called you by your last name. That was weird. Yeah, I, I get that from time to time. It's all good. Um, George, we're gonna start with Votto. I'm still okay. Let, let me just put this out there. My first base rankings are still very much up and down and fluctuating, but I have Votto at nine. You have him at 15. That sounds like a lot, but it's really not because it's a whole big tier here. And yeah. I think all it is is with me with Votto is he purposely made this change in his approach. He became more aggressive. He accepted the fact that he isn't the player he used to be. So he's kind of selling out for power, so to speak. Like he's being more aggressive at the plate. Votto's still doing his thing, able to take advantage of that small ballpark. And 38 home runs seems like it's out of nowhere, but he was able to put up 11 in the short season. So if you extrapolate that, that was close to like a 30 home run pace, a little more actually. So all Votto did was continue where he left off in 2020. I think 260 and 25 to 30 is safe. And that doesn't really stand out any different than Hoskins or Mount Castle or anything like that. So I just have him at nine because I think he's safe, solid, and you know you're getting that ballpark. He's going to hit the top of the order. He's still he's aging like fine wine. I could be talked out of it, to be honest, because Votto and, and Hoskins like are interchangeable. And I have them so many part, uh, ranks apart, technically. I don't know, but I just I think I just believe what I'm seeing and he's been showing it for a little bit. What do you think about Votto? I mean, yeah, this whole tier here, um, from basically from our number what, seven guy and CJ Cron all the way down to like eighteen with Trey Mancini. I, it's I mean, really pick any of them, right? I mean, you got a lot of guys that kind of just do similar things. Um, I have Votto down here at, at fifteen, but no, I mean, you know, I, despite the strikeout rate, you know, being up. Um, you know, it's still really good line drive rate. So, I mean, yeah, I think the 260 batting average. And I do kind of worry about the the lineup a bit, you know, if, if they start trading some guys and, and stuff there in, in Cincinnati, I do worry about um, the lineup a little bit. But no, I, I mean, yeah, and he's going into what, his age 39 season. Well, he'll he'll be 39 next in September. But, you know, that that if we're just kind of splitting hairs here, maybe, maybe that plays a little bit of a factor as well. But, yeah, no, I mean, and we kind of have this, you'll you'll see, like, you know, when we post our rankings, we have our tiers. We have these guys separated by tiers, but then we have, like, attributes where, you know, if you need a certain stat, you know, this is the guy to take, for example. So, I mean, yeah, Votto, if you need a power corner infielder um, in, in this range, I mean, yeah, he's a good guy to take. And the reason why I'm in on Votto over Hoskins right now is because we've seen Votto, even though he's getting old, he has he stays healthy. Hoskins can't or hasn't. And I think Hoskins has the higher ceiling for power with, with a similar batting average. I don't know. I think Votto's floor is a little safer. But, man, like Hoskins we know can do it but hasn't been able to do it or stay on the field to do it over the last few seasons, whereas Votto has. And that, for me, is the deciding factor between the two. Now, having Hoskins down at 14, you have him up at nine. We pretty much have these guys in reverse order. 
And I guess, is that all it is? Do you have faith in Hoskins staying healthy and putting it all together this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that he's going to benefit from, like, just being an everyday DH there in Philadelphia. They got to get him off of first base. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, we saw him in just 443 plate appearances, hit 27 homers, um, and, you know, the strikeout rate isn't egregious. The the Babbitt's not going to be anything crazy. He's not going to spike like a 300 Babbitt with his profile because he hits so many fly balls. But in hitting so many fly balls, I mean, you're, seeing, you're looking at a 17% barrel rate. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you, you give him... You give him 600 plate appearances, and you know he can he can smack you know 60, 65 barrels that could tra- easily translate to 40 home runs. So, uh, yeah, I I have Hoskins a little bit higher just because I mean I I think he can I think there's 40 homers in that bat, and if they can just get him to DH every day, and and he's hitting behind you know Real Muto and and um, Harper, and uh, you know we'll see what what else they're able to do there in, in Philly, but. Yeah, I, I, I'm really high on Hoskins this year. Love Hoskins. I almost want to see Hoskins hit in front of Harper. I think people are. I think that would hurt Harper to have Hoskins behind him because all it's going to do is make people walk Harper to get the Hoskins because they know Hoskins is, even though he has great plate discipline, he's also easier to strike out because he doesn't swing as much. Maybe he changes that approach. I don't know. But well, he I would love to see change his approach. Um, that's. I think that's what really got him to tap into that power, especially later on in the season, you know, second half, you know, granted it, it, it was very limited playing time because he was coming back from injury, but uh, 311 batting average. Uh, um, and he wasn't walking as much. He was being more aggressive uh, or actually, no, he was being more aggressive in the first half, um, 9.2% walk rate, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Cause I'm looking at it. I mean, it was a career low walk rate at 10.6% for Hoskins, but he, all he did was end up with the same batting average he did in 2020 and the same when he, he finished in 2018, like 245 and 30 plus. Like if he repeats 2018, when, when Hoskins hit 246 with 34 bombs, 96 RBIs, like that feels very realistic in terms of repeating. So I just, but that's the thing. I feel like, I feel like Votto can Get me that too with a little bit like maybe maybe if he's maybe Votto hits twenty eight but hits two sixty two sixty or two fifty five that ten points of yeah. batting average is more valuable to me than those five to seven home runs that's where I differ and again that's what gives me the edge with Votto and then Josh Bell fits right in the middle with Josh Bell's like you know you're getting like at least I think Josh Bell's back and a, a normal Josh Bell minus twenty nineteen like even before that was like a two sixty hitter with twenty eight home runs. And I think it's like he's a healthy balance of like a little bit of auto, a little bit of Hoskins. And then yeah. Ryan Mountcastle. We need to talk about this because okay, well before that, I sent you the ranks, Zach, in two spots. One on here, one do you because I know we kind of the George and I are kind of wishy washy in our own ranks. Obviously we're not like we could be not that we could be talked out off of them, but it's all about team build for us in this area. But do you have any questions just looking at our ranks? Like anything that stands out to you, anything that catches your attention? I know I just I just sent them to you. So I mean, actually I sent them to the um I got I sent them. them to, no, but I sent them to the whole the Discord ahead ah. of time. And if you paid attention, you would have known this. But you, uh, you hate us. <laughs> do not keep track of the Discord as but as much as I should. Um, it's only going to help you win more leagues. No big deal. Good thing it's still January, so we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At first glance, I mean, I like what I'm seeing. I think the news today with um, 
with the Orioles, with Camden Yards moving the parks back, the the parks moving the fences back in left field. I think that probably will drop Mountcastle down. Uh, that that could be a pretty significant um, hit to his to his stock this year. So Curlin, I think that probably will drop. I'm assuming you will be updating as you're probably updating it right now. Um, dropping Mountcastle a little bit. Um, I had him seventh up until today. So I've already dropped him from seven to 11, not just because of the news. The news actually made it easier, but Mountcastle is such a free swinger. And that scares me because what Mount, but free, being a free swinger, he, his O swing, and this is O swing is swing outside the zone was like over 40%. To give you an idea, league average is like 31%. So he was about 10% above league average in, in O swing. This came with one of the highest swinging strike rates in the league, actually, or one of the higher ones, not the highest, one of the higher ones. It was above like 16%. And that combination doesn't really play well for a lot of players. It does for some, but not for, but Mount Castle, I feel like that free swinging nature paired with that ballpark not being favorable for him anymore. So if he takes a back, step step back in the power production while sustaining a similar approach, Mountcastle can still hit that 250-ish mark in terms of batting average, but now the power takes a hit. So all he becomes is a riskier version of Hoskins in them. So I think I'm going I'm to get Hoskins above him. Ty Fr- I think it becomes a conversation of Ty France, Mountcastle. I think Mountcastle is clearly behind Votto, Bell, and Hoskins for me now. And I think George already ranks it that way, except for Votto, which we got to fix that, George. But um, <laughs> I think it's close. I do think it's close, but I think Mountcastle, that home park change does scare me right. So he is going to move down a little bit. But it's like I've already moved him down five spots today alone. I think one of the other things that stands out with both of you, it looks like both of you guys have Jared Walsh at eight. Um, I mean, this goes to show you I, I haven't prepped nearly as much for my preseason ranks as much as you guys have here. Uh, that's probably somebody that I would have a little bit lower. Um, I would personally probably have guys like Josh Bell, Joey Votto, Cronworth ahead of him. Um, but uh, I'm looking into Jared Walsh a little bit right now, and it's actually better than I thought. I thought he struggled more in the second half, but he was pretty pretty even between his first and second half splits, batting to almost 280 um, in each half, and still a solid OBP, 336 in the first half, 346 in the second half. Um, overall, uh, better than I thought. But So at first glance, I, I thought you guys might be a little bit high on Walsh, but... Um, well, to be fair, Walsh can't hit a lefty if his left dependent right. on it. He hit yeah. like he hit like a whopping one. One like, seventy. This is he hit one seventy against lefties, but uh, he had thirty one hits. Ten of them were home runs. So at least when he hits a lefty, it goes a long way. That right. scares me though, because how sustainable is that power output against against lefties when you can barely hit them in the first place? So that does concern me. However, even with how bad he was against lefties, he still managed to have such a good season. So if you if Walsh can hit 170 against lefties and still hit 275 on the year, still post close to 30 home runs, I'm willing to take a chance on a guy that I know has that foundation against righties with a chance to grow even a little bit. If he hits 200 against lefties this year, that's an improvement. Now the power might drip dip a little bit because of it. And Walsh does carry that risk of maybe not being a 30 home run bat because what are the odds he hits a third of his home runs against lefties. If he's hitting this poorly against them again, probably not that great, but I think that there's such a high base against righties. I'm willing to take that chance. And that's why, but again, he, if you, if you told me, Hey, I prefer bell Votto and Hoskins over Walsh. I wouldn't fault you for it. I, I also, like Walsh, I think Walsh is going to hit behind Trout, Otani, 
and Rendon. So then there's that 100 plus RBI opportunity there too. Yeah, if they I, can I think all a stay good healthy. takeaway. I think a takeaway from this is like this is just a really good range. As big as this range is, it's good. Just a really good spot to get your first baseman or your corner outfielder. Or I mean, your corner infielder. And so uh, we kind of skipped over to. it, but um, this kind of goes into like you know how we're attacking the position. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we skipped over the draft strategy part. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just to kind of go back on that, it is. Yeah, it's a strong tier. Do you see yourself getting your first baseman in this tier, or, or do you see yourself getting any of you know the previous tiers? Like we got Vlad and Freddie Freeman in tier one, and then it, it, there's a clear tier two with Matt Olson, Pete Alonso, Paul Goldschmidt, and Jose Abreu. What What are your thoughts on on as far as attacking the position? I'm avoiding tier two mostly and most of it's about cost i haven't seen one of them fall to a point where i feel good about taking them so it's not like i'm against a lot and mostly alonzo and abreu are the guys i'm more likely to get given their adp uh goldschmidt i'm the highest on but he people see him as a as that five category guy again because he stole 12 bases perfect 12 for 12 by the way so i can understand people thinking he's gonna steal again like double digits but freeman is a guy i actually have freeman in, in a draft because i'm finding myself if i have an early like a semi-early pick in the like say pick five or six in the first round, Freeman falls to that second round pick there, and usually I get speed in the first round, so I have no problem taking speed whoever I take Harper even if I take him that high, pair him with Freeman, and now I can kind of start taking chances. Now I can take a Miles Straw in like the seventh round and be okay with that because Miles Straw isn't a guy I like to take, but maybe he fits that build now. But my point is, is Freeman falling to the second? I'm really enjoying that because Freeman's Freeman's every bit of who he was just not get not costing that he used to he was going to the 15 that, that 15 16 turn in 15 teamers now you're getting him at the back end of the second and 12s and you're getting him close to the back end of the second and 15s right now so freeman's a guy i find myself liking a lot but if i miss on him i tend to fall back to this big ass tier it's a huge tier and i tend to find so far i have i have a bunch of mancini that was before he's actually going to probably fall a tier now because uh, that was before the news i, th- I think the power is going to play regardless but anyway, so I, I'd be falling back. I fall back a lot of Mancini being my corner infield. I have Jake Cronenworth as a as a as a first baseman in the league. I have Josh Bell as a first baseman in the league, and I think I need to insert a tier behind Haas, like um, right before Rizzo, because I still see Rizzo as being because that batting average floor has dropped a little bit. I'm concerned if Rizzo's maybe not Rizzo, maybe the tier needs to fall. Rizzo's the last of this tier. I need to put a tier break between. Krilloff and Mancini. I don't trust them as much as others. So I think those guys maybe need to drop down a tier for me. But yes, this yeah. tier I find myself, long-winded way of saying I find myself targeting <laughs> my first first baseman in this tier because I think this is where the best value comes and there's such similar skill sets. Yeah. 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 The only guy I see myself get with ending up with in the first two tiers is, and we kind of touched on it in the last um, episode we did last week as far as guys were avoiding when we touched on uh, Vlad, but um probably just Freddie Freeman and just for the reason like that you said I mean he's falling sometimes in the back end of the second and if I've already got a guy like Bobachet if I've got a Jose Ramirez um someone like that I mean then yeah he's he's a great guy to pair with and and take care of first base right there I I don't mind that but um other than that I mean no where Matt Olson is going Pete Alonso I mean I don't I'm not sure Paul Goldschmidt's gonna still 12 bases again I mean it, it was looks like it was kind of just like a like an outlier, I mean, as far as in recently, you know, it was the most bases he stole in the last four years. He only had one in 2020, three in 2019, um, did get up to seven in 2018. But, you know, I'm not sure we can expect double-digit steals from Goldschmidt again. So 
Now I kind of find myself passing over that tier and then yeah, grabbing, you know, I have a, a lot of Reese Hoskins. Um I, I like Josh Bell. Um I, I find myself taking a chance on Alex Kirilov. Um if he's falling like around one pick 170, 175. Um so I do, yeah, I do find myself getting uh, my my first baseman from this tier quite a bit and i'm not all too concerned with with mancini either i did find that you know recently in the last couple years um he hasn't really he's only had a few homers to the pool side there in camden so you know and and same with mountcastle he kind of hits his homers like all over the place he did this last year he hit nine of his 33 at home to the pool side uh so i mean maybe it affects him a little bit it might affect someone more like Austin Hayes um, a bit more. He had eight of his 24 homers to the pool side there in Camden. So just a higher percentage of his home runs came to that side. So, you know, and I'm not, I'm not sure he has the same kind of power that like a Mount Castle does. So I'm not all too concerned with like Mancini and Mount Castle there involved. We have this tier four. Oh, sorry. I was going to jump no, on yeah, tier no, four because our tier that. four comes like these back end guys. Like you have Yuli Guriel, Jonathan Scope, Nathaniel Lowe, Frank Schwindel, et cetera, et cetera. We, I don't know about you, but if you're going to, if you play in a league with a corner infield spot, fill it with first base because third base is not that deep. <laughs> if you, you can grab a couple, like my, my favorite fallback guy here, not favorite, but the guy I keep just ending up with is Jesus Aguilar. I feel like he's just kind of forgotten. I keep scooping up in almost every draft as a backup, as a CI, UT, or a bench first baseman. So it's like Jesus Aguilar, I keep falling back on. Uh, but there's a whole bunch here, man. And the big one, we, the biggest difference we have here was Brandon Belt. And I, I'm going to guess, I, don't get me wrong, I think that's where I would draft him or where I, where I would rank him. You have him 19th. I have Brandon Belt at 24. Sounds like a lot, but it's not because I just mentioned half the names ahead of him. I think the only difference is, is you believe in like, the talent. I'm not questioning. It's the health and the platoon. You mix the fact that he might not play. He's going to miss time more than likely and end up platooning. He, he's in. <laughs> I'm laughing because Zach's just making all the noises podcast. Um, <laughs> he's he's platooning. Brandon Bell is likely in a platoon while and there's a good chance for injury. Sorry, I had to gather my thoughts and repeat myself three times because of Zach. Um, so that's where I get my concerns from. It's not the talent. It's the potential block at playing time slash injuries. Obviously, you feel, I think, are you just taking a shot at the potential here slash upside? Yeah, I mean, you look at Brandon Belt's numbers basically since the start of 2020. Oh, 285, batting, 285 batting average, 393 OB, OBP, 595 slug, 163. I mean, he's been among, he's like among the top five hitters as far as like these, uh, these rate stats go, you know, 38 homers. How many games um, has he played? 17% barrel rate. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Right? It, <laughs> that's a- that's where I that's the only argument I have. It's not <laughs> the skills. I don't question the skills with Brandon Belt. He has shown more than capable since 2020. It's the fact that he's also shown just as capable of, of landing on your IL spot and holding up a spot on your bench all for, like, for the majority of the season. That's where my concern yeah, is, not I, the skill. I just he, think he's he could been... be he 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 could put up a Joey Votto season, wouldn't surprise me. Like a 2021 version in 2022. I just have a hard time rostering him because it's like, what's more likely him being that guy or him being on the IL or on your bench. And then, Oh, he comes up on a Wednesday. Now you miss out on half the week and he belts a few home runs while he's on your bench. It's an aggravating, especially in weekly formats. It's an aggravating player to roster daily. Yeah, I mean, sure, I'm, go not, for it. 
I'm not too concerned about the the platoon either. I mean, he had a 129 WRC plus against lefties last year. Actually, struck out less um, against lefties. Still had an 832 OPS. I mean, it's not it's not you know he's definitely a lot better against really righties. Good. It's okay. Um, it, it's not like lefty, we need though, to OPS. That's pretty solid. Yeah, 832. Yeah, I mean, it's really solid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, um, and then as far as like yeah, it, it's it's we're probably not going to it's it's a struggle to get a full season out of Brandon Belt but you take what he what he gives you i mean he had 381 plate appearances 29 homers last year hit 274 you you know you, you take that on top of whatever replacement level that you can get i mean he's going to contribute there especially as late as he's going you're getting Brandon Belt like you know around pick 240 250 it's you can easily get a, a replacement level player to stack on top of whatever he gives you. So, I mean, yeah, I have him in the beginning of this next tier after after that tier three that we just went over. Um, just because, yeah, I mean, he he's shown now over the last two, two seasons that he's just been he's just been awesome when he does play. Yeah, I again, it, that's the thing. The, the the way you ended that was my only argument when he does play. <laughs> that is it. That is that is the only thing. I don't everything you said. I agree with. And Brandon Belt's a hell of a hitter when he does play that's the only thing and that's why again that's why i kind of shy away from him. um what oh max muncie where do you have him ranked because i thought i was a little man that i looked and see that you have him ranked where do you have him ranked yeah i mean i have him 24th but like he's just one of these guys that's so hard to rank because i mean granted right he has been so consistent he has been so underrated the last couple of years he's been awesome but we just don't know if he's gonna you know how much he's gonna play he talked about having the torn UCL, and I mean... Didn't he say something about it's coming along slower than expected to? Right, it's coming along slower. I mean... I was giving him a hard he... time because I, I have him ranked 23rd. So it's like you yeah. technically are the low man. But it's... um Yeah, I people... Because I, I posted my top 10 first baseman multiple times now, and I've had Max Muncy asked about a couple of times. So I wanted to make sure that we get it out there that we aren't anti-Max Muncy. If he was healthy, Max Muncy's number seven probably on both of our lists. I, I would say a healthy Max Muncy's pro I, I have no problem. Yeah, he'd be number yeah. he probably would be in tier two, right behind Jose Rebreu, right around 100%, that range. Yeah. But right now, you and I are both this is our way of saying he's out. Like we're out on him. We're not willing to take that risk in early drafts. Now, right. if you have an IL spot or or something like that, and as he continues to drop, then there's more there's more intrigue. This goes back to knowing your format. The formats you and I are playing in right now and drafting in. There is no IL spot. There, there is you have to turn and burn that road. If it's a fab league, there's no IL spots in those. Um, you can't afford a dead spot if he doesn't play in in draft holds or draft champions leagues. So Max Muncy's a guy that we're just whole completely out on. But again, if you play in a shallow format, he drops. You have an IL spot. You can draft him and sash him type of thing. But mm-hmm. you just never know what you're gonna get. Zach, you have anything that are you? What are you thought? What are your thoughts on Max Muncy? Let's start with that. So I'm gonna go through a few things that you guys just talked about. Tier yes, three. Avoided you. Tier th- <laughs> you did. Tier three <laughs> is uh, probably the primary tier that I'm targeting as well. There's a lot of guys in there that I like. I don't feel the need to reach as much, re- regardless of uh, size of the league, whether it's 12s or 15s. I, I likely, <clears throat> I likely will not be reaching for for Freeman unless he falls um, mid to late second, which rarely will happen. Um, Probably won't be getting Vladdy early, as we've talked about before. We kind of like to address some speed early on. So, And I find myself avoiding Olsen 
an Alonzo power guys when I feel like there's some guys in that tier three that you can get for a better better price. So I'm likely avoiding tier one and tier two. Tier three seems to be the guys that I'm targeting, whether it be CJ Crone, Josh Bell, Vado. I uh, have a lot of Drake, Jake Cronworth, Cronworth early on. I uh, like Ty France as well, Reese Hoskins. The one guy in tier three that I would probably slide down maybe in tier four is Kirilov. Uh, I'm not sure how much I trust trust him at this point. Uh, I feel like a guy like Brand. I feel like there's guys in tier four that I would maybe move up, <clears throat> move up before him. I, I do like Brandon Belt quite a bit as well. I think Brandon Belt would make the perfect corner infielder um in your dc format just because kind of like you were saying mike um the health is 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 concerning uh, don't know how much playing time he's actually get, or how, how how much will be on the field actually aguilar another great target i've targeted him late uh he should be getting plenty of playing time uh especially if that dh comes um so yeah those are some comments that i have max muncie Probably on my do not draft list this year. Uh, I think you guys probably have him in a good spot around 24, 23, 24. I think that's a good spot. Although um, I, you could argue you could probably move him down even more. Um, I don't think they're going to rush him back. I think they'll probably slow play it, make sure he's fully healthy. They have so much depth, the Dodgers. I don't think there's a need to rush him back. Um, I'd rather have a guy like Brandon Belt or Aguilar. I wouldn't want to waste a pick in that range on Max Muncy personally. Uh, but overall, it's a strong list that you guys have there. But tier three, I think, is the the best tier to target. I think there's a lot of great value in that tier. Have you ever looked at the Dodgers roster, or at least have you looked at it yet this offseason? They have no, four lefties on their bench and one righty. And it's just crazy to me because that, that yells that they're going to have to make a trade. And that's without including Edwin Rios, who should be back. So Edwin, Edwin Rios would make five right five lefties on their bench. And they already have Bellinger and Muncie, as of right now, slated to start. So this team is super lefty loaded on the bench. And I don't know why I felt the need to add that, but I just thought it was interesting. Because I was looking at this team, I was like, holy crap, they have all these. They have Beattie, Lux, McKinstry, and Rayleigh, and again, Edwin Rios, not including Austin Barnes, who will play as a backup catcher. But this team, a DH is going to put another lefty in the lineup for sure. However, I'm just like, it blew my mind when I saw four lefties on the bench because I don't think I've ever seen, I don't think I've seen another team this offseason as I've looked at rosters that has four lefties plus one to spare in Edwin Rios. That's all. Just wanted to share that fun little tidbit. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good way to end it, but we're not done. We have a few questions to answer on from the Twitterverse and from our Discord. So I'm just going to go in order of the ones that have how I grabbed it. So Michael Lococo from Twitter at Michael Lococo WI. Is Wander Franco, he has a few questions here. Is Wander Franco a better real life player than fantasy player? George, start with you on that one. Um, I guess I guess I would agree with that right now, just because I mean, of where he's going in drafts. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment. Zach. I agree. Probably better real life player. I mean, other than the the batting average, which I mean I think people are hopeful that he's going to be a 300 hitter or better, but I mean, it's still uh, 288 last year and 281 ABs. I mean, I don't know how likely that is, um, but if he does not get to that 300 plateau, I mean, what else is he offering you? He's really not offering you a ton of stolen bases and speed. Um, what do we say? He stole two bases last year, and that was very early on. He really didn't even attempt to run at all uh, towards the end of the season. So you're really not going to be getting too much there. 
Um, I just think, especially in redraft, he's probably somebody that I'm avoiding at his price unless he falls significantly. Dynasty is a whole different ball game. Somebody I would probably love to have long term. Um, but I think real life, he's probably better right now than fantasy. Yeah, I yes. think it might just be a couple of years out before. Yeah, you know, the hype, we, the hype we still got to right see now. some some growth, right? Is it the power and the speed just don't stand out enough? At- and speed doesn't age well. Like if he gains power, it's probably going to come at the loss of speed. And if Wander Franco turns into Xander Bogarts, people are going to be upset, but that wouldn't be a bad thing. Bogarts is a fantasy yeah. darling, going in the third round, fourth round of every year for like the last five years. Like if if, if we can if we can get Xander Bogarts type of numbers out of Wander, I think we should be happy with that. Maybe with a better batting average, but overall. Wanda Franco being Xander Bogart should be people should be happy with that. Unfortunately, right. because the hype is real, people want people are hoping for an Acuna type of player when Wanda's just not that guy. He's not built that no. way. He's what is he? I'm looking it up right now. He is all of 5'10, 189. I don't see much more being added to that frame. Maybe get to 205, but if he gets beefy like at 205, we saw what happens when you beef up. Look at Victor Robus. Like when, when players get beefy and add to their size and frame, it changes their mechanics. It changes a lot more than people realize. Like like when uh Ben Attendi put on all that weight or the muscle and have the huge biceps, that affected Ben Attendi's swing and his mechanics. And he was he hasn't been the same player up until last year. And I think he actually cut back on the weight and all that. So not not changing away a player is structured, gaining muscle, all that it's not always good for the player. It's not always, it, it changes the player too. And I think people will overlook that or, or forget that. So I like to make sure we remind people like change isn't always a good thing. You know what I mean? Like it can be, but it's not always, we should be apprehensive. We shouldn't be so quick to be like, Oh, we need just this, this, and this like, no, but I'm, that's the long way of saying, I think we all agree here that at least for 2022, Franco is going to be better in real life than for fantasy. But ultimately none of us are concerned with them long-term. Yeah. So in dynasty formats, don't don't worry if he has like a little bit of what's quote quote unquote down year for him. Twenty ten to eighty is gonna be considered a down year because you're drafting him to pretty much do that. And if he comes up short, you're in trouble. Um, my favorite question on here, and we're we're gonna we're gonna come back to closers for you, George, because you're the closer guy. Getting that closer chart on SK Playbook filled in. I, I was supposed to be helping with that. My bad. But um, it's a great tool we offer on the site for free. It's um skplaybook.com it's a closer chart george is going to be updating it weekly i'm going to help him update the stats and stuff on it but anyway um we'll talk closer here in a second where is the upside slash value break point on mondesi is his next question and i'm just going to say stop it i refuse <laughs> me and you are i think i think we agree we are done with like mondesi yeah like his adp is like top six i think at the position or top five at third base me and you have him closer to 10 and that's because we just don't want to deal with the Dude, the breaking point with him is he breaks every year. He is a September standout when backup catchers are playing, when backup pitchers, like when the minor league pitchers are coming up for a cup of coffee, they don't have they don't know how to hold them on. Don't get me wrong, the speed's legit. But Mondesi can't stay healthy. There's playing time concerns already. If once the young guys come up, they've already talked about limiting his um games. I don't want Mondesi on my teams. I understand the flashiness, but I'm building my teams around not needing him. And I think that you should do the same. Now, can yeah. you win while drafting Mondesi? Absolutely. I've been wrong on him in the past because he tends to come around every September and say, hey, remember me? I'm still a guy. But um, I don't know. You could tell I'm pretty passionate about this Mondesi thing because I'm just, I can't, I can't do it. There is no, 
The upside for me is if he was going around pick like 80 to 100 and he doesn't go around there. That's the issue. If, if he felt like 80 to 100, then I'm like, you know what? That would be intriguing to me. But I refuse to drop him there. I refuse to draft him before that. And he's never there for me. So does anybody have anything I mean, to add to that? Because I hate he, Mondesi. He has a career. <laughs> he has a career 283 OVP. I, as, as much as we want him to, to be a thing. I mean, we also I mean, that's not a very good baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> he's flashy, you know. There's the there's very uh, injury aside. I think there's still you know playing time. Yes, because if Witt comes Bobby up, Bobby Witt exactly. Yeah, Witt. You have uh, unless unless Merrifield goes to the outfield, but then they have Prado, they have Melendez, they have they got a for, ton of guys. We, we I do mean, this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I probably have one year left of being in on Mondesi. I'm, oh my god, I'm, I'm 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 back in this year. I I have two shares in Dynasty, and I just I can't I can't give up now. <laughs> Redraft is different. I most likely will not be taking any redraft shares of Mondesi. Most likely. That doesn't say no. That says most likely. If he could t- if he falls past his ADP, it's it's something that I may look into cuz he he is a league winner. He uh he won multiple leagues um he what was it in the um the shortened season. He he was a league winner. Um uh, for sure. I witnessed it firsthand. Um in the dynasty draft I'm doing right now, he he continued to fall. He fell to about pick 127 um there was probably two or three rounds that went by where i was like wow he should like, have gone farther he shouldn't have been a top 200 pick. <sighs> i'm i'm so over this guy get him out of my no stop it you it's, took it's, him. You're, it's, that's it's your tempting loss. but uh redraft i'm most likely out but um depends on the price if he falls significantly which he has been in drafts i could i could see it now, if you can buy low in Dynasty, I get that. Like, there's always a price in Dynasty. If you're trying to compete and you need stolen bases, I guarantee you if a team that's selling them off, he, you'd be able to get them for, I don't know. I can't even think of a prospect right now. But I think you can get them off. I think you can get them for, like, a single prospect. That's the thing. Like, maybe one top 100 guy, but, like, not in the top 20. Probably could you know get I mean? a top 100 guy. I, th- I think I you wonder... could drop, like, a back-end top 70-ish guy. I wonder if a full season of him moving off shortstop, the DH. Um, I wonder well, if the DH. He's, he's I wonder, if, always him, been I wonder if him getting some reps at DH. He's, he's not going to get any reps at DH. Look at that roster. They have no space. If as they're it trying is. to if they're trying to keep him healthy, it's definitely possible. Keep for him, him on the get... bench where he belongs. Oh, oh please. <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to want someone with a better than a two eighty three OB pitching. But you know what? I, they, have George, a, they have a ton of guys. George, I got this. He can manufacture runs. I think. Oh, then yeah, that, good, not, good soundboard. Good investment. There it is. It, it didn't work. Nope. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, that's the first. Oh, I pressed the button. Maybe it worked and we didn't hear it because um, normally, you know what? Nope. My kid turned it down. I did not realize that. Good. good my, son, my, my son plays on this, my five year old, and I realized he turned it down. It's not on at all. All right, that's let's, keep, let's keep pumping these out. George has to get to dinner. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Me and you are ready for bed. Uh, top tier closers return on investment last year. Should managers expect the same again? What do you think, George? I'll let you do this as the closer guy. You buy them back in on closers doing their thing? I mean, should we expect the same from the top closers? I mean, yeah, that we, we should expect the same from the top closers. I mean, it, and that's the reason why they're going so high. It's the reason why they're getting so pushed up right now is because those are the guys that I mean, there's there's going to be natural volatility at the position, but as bankable as closers can be, those are, those top tier closers are there's a reason why they're going so high right now, right? So because they're the guys that we could count on, uh, just given the information that we have today. 
So, I mean, yeah, um, especially in a lot of the draft and hold formats that are going on right now. I mean, it, it is important to go to lock in, you know, um, reliable save sources. Yeah, I'm going to we're going to move on from that. I'll let you just you're the closer guy. I just defer to you. I think Ryan, who was actually on the last podcast as a guest. He's also in our Discord hanging out. Again, shameless plug for the Discord. Um, he asked who's more like who who's more likely to bounce back in Patrick Corbin or Kyle Hendricks. And I think that's a troll question. Because does anybody question. does anybody believe in Patrick Corbin? Now, just without even looking at stuff, Kyle Hendricks is the obvious answer. Because if yeah. I trust a control pitcher over a guy who got by on a sli- a wicked slider who doesn't seem to have that same effective pitch not to mention the velo i believe his velo has been dropping now his velo was up last year but actually patrick corbin's but um he just wasn't effective he's bomb eight percentile and like woba and ex woba it's just it's a mess patrick corbin's done but um kyle hendricks if there was if there if you're picking between the two obviously kyle hendricks is the guy that you would bet on better team around him um yeah that's about it i don't know i'd really rather not go on i'd rather not get in on either to yeah, be honest there's really yeah. not much else to add to that <laughs> hendrix Thanks, is the right answer yes that's such that a is. troll question <laughs> it has to be it has to be and you would think the guy you know I, I had him on the show he was a good he's a good friend of ours you would think he would take care of us and give us like a a layup no he made me look up patrick corbin's swamp page for the first time like in like a year and a half it's all good. And I refuse. At least with Kyle Hendricks, even in a down year, he gave you 181 innings. He's going to, uh, Hendricks is going to give you 30 starts. He's going to, and he's going to give you at least a, I'd say the four, 7.77 ERA was a little unlucky, especially considering his highest walks per nine since 2017. I think that comes back. I think that comes down a little bit. He gets back to his ways. And although he might not be the player, the mid three, mid low threes ERA guy from the past, I think we can get him down to a low four ERA. I think Hendricks can be usable in fantasy. I refuse to pull up uh, Patrick Corbin's Fangraphs page. I'm not doing it. Screw you, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> our our buddy uh, Eric in the chat as well. Stroman, Severino, Luis Garcia, McCullers, Erod are all going around the same ADP and NFBC drafts. Who who are you taking for 2022? You've done the most drafts, George. Those are a bunch of names. Again, that's Marcus Stroman, Luis Severino, Luis Garcia, Lance McCullers, Erod. So I have Luis Garcia ranked the highest of these, and, and he's the guy that probably intrigues me the most. Um, and it's just those those awesome secondaries, right? I mean, his cutter had ridiculous uh, swinging strike rates. Um, we, we saw him, you know, when he gets that velo pushed up, just how dominant he looks when, when he has that velo. So, um I do think Luis Garcia is just, he's really intriguing, obviously on a good team. So in a good position to, you know, get wins um, after Garcia. I mean, you know, I, I like Marcus Stroman. Uh, he, he showed a few things last year where, you know, maybe there's a little bit more strikeout upside. Um, it had a career high swinging strike rate, uh, career low walk rate. Um, well, actually lowest walk rate since 2015 at 6%. Um, the strikeout rate creeping up a little bit at 21.6%. Uh, yeah, I mean, he introduced that split change uh, that that I think with the second year of kind of harnessing that pitch could maybe, maybe can we see that strikeout rate creep up, you know, 22, 23%. We know that, you know, he's kind of always someone that's going to overperform his peripherals because of the type of pitcher he is getting all the ground balls. Maybe he's not the best whip asset, but yeah, I think as far as volume, ERA, um, 
yeah, I, I think he's a pretty solid choice. I'm, I'm I mean, I'm not you. sure. Sorry. I was going to say, I'm not sure I'm in on, on the other guys. I mean, McCullers with the wrist, Severino coming off the, the Tommy John surgery. Um, Erod, I, I just feel like we're always kind of, he, he's just kind of always letting us down. He, he did Chasing have like the dragon. Best, right. He's always, he did uh, give us his best like peripherals last year, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just can't buy into Erod. No, I'm with you with Erod. Uh, no, I'm actually not with you with Erod. I like Erod <laughs> because he's going to an easier division, a better ballpark. He has Javi Baez up the middle. He's gonna have some help around him on that on, as the defense improves around uh, around him. I like Erod, but I think he is my number three behind Luis Garcia and Stroman. And I've mm-hmm. realized so far in drafts, I've been targeting Stroman and Garcia, and I've gotten one of each in two out of my last three drafts. And I was upset because I got sniped on both of them. Uh, one draft, I didn't get either. And Strowman, for me, it's a, it's a similar idea to Erod. Is I think there's a high floor there. Strowman's pitched at least like thirty, at least thirty starts in his four of his last five seasons, always to the tune of a solid ERA and solid ratios. You know what you're getting. It's a strong high ceiling or high floor. The ceiling's not high, but you're getting Strowman as SP three. So if you go a little risky, like if you take like a McClanahan or something earlier, and you want to pair it or if you want to take Pablo Lopez for some reason, which I made that mistake of doing before I was fully aware of how bad the injury history was, I'm, I'm a little concerned there, but I actually took him with, and I paired him with Stroman on purpose. So that's the type of guy Stroman is. He's a guy that you take to pair with volatile with volatile pitchers like a Chris Sale or something. And, and Luis Garcia, I think, offers a little less of a floor, but more of a ceiling, which you broke down a little bit. McCullers, I'm just not. I know he started throwing because you know Sarah's is the goat and tweeted at him and got him to answer. But um, Lance McCullers, I'm not touching because he ended the season with an injury. Severino, I do expect him to pitch, no problem. He did technically pitch six innings last year, so I know he's technically healthy. I just don't. I don't want to. Why take him? And a big question mark. Sure, the ceiling's there, but why wouldn't you take the guys who are coming off full seasons ahead of him? With with known floors, I just think there's too much risk there. Now, shallower formats, Severino, I'm more, I'm more willing to take a shot on, but I have a hard time passing on Luis Garcia or Strowman for him. The rest, I can kind of like if I want to take a shot on Severino over Erod, I get it, or McCullers definitely. I think McCullers is last here for me because of just the uncertainty of what that injury was, and he's just not starting to throw. We don't know if he's gonna have any setbacks or anything yet. Uh, Zach, anything to add? Garcia is my number one in that tier, hands down. I'm with you guys there. I think there's another level to Garcia that we're going to see this year, and I'm pretty pumped for that. Um, I think he's a a strong, strong add in this tier uh, for drafts. <laughs> the next guy, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty in on Erod this year. I agree, Curlin, with your strategy. If you're taking a riskier SP2, I like kind of backing up the SP3 with a, with an innings guy, and Stroman and Erod tend to be the guys that I target there. Um, I think Erod is in for a big year. Um, a lot of the underlying metrics were really strong with him last year. Uh, I know he had a, a 4.74 ERA, but the expected ERA was a 3.5. Um, a lot of the underlying metrics were really strong for him. And I think going to, like you said, the AL Central, some weaker teams in that division, Baez, a strong defense, I think it's really going to help him. And I think we're a year removed, uh, another year removed from from it wasn't an injury, I guess it was the COVID-related illness that kind of kept him out. So I think we might see some more stamina with him. So maybe we get closer to 200 innings this year. Um, I think I think it's going to be a big year for Erod. So I would put him second. 
Stroman third. And honestly, Severino is in a void for me. I won't be drafting him anywhere. And McCullers is pretty close to that territory unless he falls significantly uh, just with the arm issues. Um, it's a concern. So um, most likely not taking Severino or McCullers. And then I would put Garcia, Erod, Stroman in that order. Cool. And he added like eight more pitchers. Actually, 23. <laughs> Four. Alex Wood, John Means, Jordan Montgomery, and Patrick Sandoval. He also wants to know the same thing with these four. George, any thoughts? Uh, no, I, I like them all to a, to a degree. This is a good spot where I'm getting SP4, SP5. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I would probably rank them Wood, Mon- Wood Sandoval, Montgomery, Means. I, I don't know. But I could easily take, like, I could easily see the argument for any one of them. I think the news today with Camden Yards definitely helps means that probably moves him up a decent amount. I think I would like to mix and match out of this group. Maybe Alex would mm-hmm. the least, be, but it's because I get so much Anthony Descafani and I like Alex <laughs> Cobb so much that I just don't want to get all in on all the Giants pitching. So I think that's all it is, is like trying to avoid all one team. But in all seriousness, I think I would like to mix and match out of this. And I know it's a boring answer, but. I think it's the right answer because this is a perfect place to diversify. Grab a couple means, a couple Montgomery, a couple Sandoval, a couple wood. And um, I feel like you can't really go wrong, right? It just makes a lot of sense to go that route. Um, yeah. The next question is from at Matt Mountain on Twitter. And he asks, so he has an NL two catcher league. That is a glutton for punishment. <laughs> um, salary dynasty with money dump each year. Usually try to get one Oof. bona fide starter, one good backup. This year, he could keep Stevenson for eight and Will Smith for 20. Ignoring DH rumors, what do you think about locking down both? Would, consolidate, would consolidating force others to punt? I don't know if you're going to force people to punt because they have to fill the position, I would think. Maybe they don't, but I think that gives you a huge edge because not only do you have you have two of the top five guys at catcher in the, in, in the, in the only league, I don't, I don't know who my big question, actually, I almost responded and realized I didn't want to because I wanted to talk about this. Who would this, would this hinder you from keeping somebody else? Um, would this hinder you from going out and acquiring another player that's more useful? I do think this gives you a huge advantage because you have two solid catchers, yeah. but I feel there are more, there are some questions I wish I could follow up with. It's but, a good um, strategy. If you could keep both of them, that would definitely, uh, hurt some other people in your league so yeah i mean if you can we don't know the other options but if you can keep both of them i think that's a pretty strong strategy i would go for it anything to add george oh no yep um well my screen is frozen so can someone read the next question the rest of the questions what do we got so next one's from john wilder is the whole NL catchers will get more ABs with the DH argument a myth i see maybe one to two guys that have extra value and even then, it's really small possible value with AL catchers later in the year if the DH gets finalized. Didn't you write an article kind of similar to this, Curlin? I did, and I dropped it on the link because I was like, this is perfect, <laughs> right up my alley. There you go. It was a, well, I didn't answer the question without, I answered it without answering it on, you know, on Twitter. Basically, my uh, quick little study, because all we have is very minimal. Don't get me wrong, we have the AL. So we have a whole American League in terms of like, if you want to get a sample size, but all we had to go off of was the previous 2020 season and the interleague play from last year. So I literally ran the numbers. I just looked, I went and manually looked at everything and saw what teams actually use their catchers as DHs. And I think the only real surprise was Darno gets a lot of run at DH for the Braves. So Azuna is going to be back. It's hard to say Azuna is not going to DH because that's kind of what he's made to do at this point in his career. 
but I think they're going to utilize that DH to keep Darno and Acuna healthy. So I, I think Ozuna might be more hurt by the fact that if he can't play the field, then I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to give. I think they're going to have to use that DH to keep players healthy, and I think that's what. Player, that's what teams are going to do most more than likely. So I forgot what the question was, but I do know that basically <laughs> the whole catcher DH thing, I do think it's more of a myth because teams are going to utilize it more to keep their players healthy and keep a rotation going. And mm-hmm. they're probably going to go out and sign. There's going to be, there's still Jorge Soler out there. Nelly Cruz, you have guys that are made for DHs that are going to be prime additions to some teams. And even teams like the Nationals, they have interesting pieces like Robust and Stevenson and other parts on the bench that can make up a platoon at the DH spot. Teams are going to fill it with capable hitters. That's why the whole catcher getting more at-bats, maybe it helps a handful of them, but not as many as people think. Well said. Check out that article on SK Playbook. There it is. (laughs) There it is. Um, All right, so the last one here. Um, In an auction league, 14-team head-to-head Roto Keeper. What are your thoughts on keeping Bryce Harper for $44 versus keeping somebody like Logan Gilbert, Luis Garcia, or Quantrill for $3? I mean, we just talked about Luis Garcia. I think all three of us are, are pretty uh, pretty high on him. I think for 3 bucks, that's quite the bargain. I mean, I personally like all three of these guys. Um, really high on Gilbert. I think Quantrill, we see, takes some steps forward. So I like that price for them. I'm personally not super familiar with the auction format in terms of keeper. I mean, do you get to keep just one player or like, how do you think that works? I guess we might need some more information from this person. Um, But I mean, Bryce Harper obviously would be a great keeper, but $44 seems rather expensive. I don't know how the budget works. What do you guys think? We might need a little more context for this, but I mean, obviously, you know, Bryce Harper by far is like, you know, the, the safest bet here, even at $44, you, you know, you're getting a first round caliber player. Uh, but I mean, $3, I, I guess, you know, for Luis Garcia, because I, I have Garcia kind of clearly ahead of the other two. I mean, I do like Gilbert, um, but I do have Luis Garcia a, a bit ahead. So that could definitely be a bargain, but I, I think I'd need a little more context here. Uh, if you can only keep one, one, I mean, I, I'm probably just taking the safe bet with Bryce Harper, though. Yeah, because if you can only keep one, something tells me in a 14-team league, if Bryce Harper gets thrown back to the Wolves, he's going to go for more than $44. Because most, even giving it like a typical was like a $260, I don't even know mm-hmm. the typical one is anymore. Um, yeah, we would need more. And on top of that, what are, what are other guys going? Like, is Harper $10 above the average person going in that range? Like, is Acuna $35? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so if that's the case, then you drop Harper because you could probably get him for a better price. However, I'm with you. Plus, I feel like every year you're going to find pitchers that pop up like these guys did for a dollar mm-hmm. or two and be able to keep them. It's I, I want Harper. I feel not only is he the safest, but I doubt he's overpriced i feel i I, i've it all depends on the form the league and the pricing that everyone else is at but assuming harper is in line or cheaper than the other first rounders you keep him because there's no way you're gonna get him at that price again if he's overpriced like by 10 or so dollars then maybe you can start dropping him keeping the budget and then keeping the budget player and then going back in and bidding on harper even if you have to spend extra couple bucks but that's the thing if you want harper and you have to spend 47 on him is it really worth it? Cause you're still spending the extra $3. Now. Can't you just keep like, and now I'm wondering why can't you just keep, maybe you can only keep, you're right. Like, is, can he only keep one player? 
at a certain price? Is he mm-hmm. allowed to keep multiple? There are other questions, but I think ultimately we agree that Harper is the keep here, even at the added uh, cost of doing so. Yes, sir. All right, cool. So I got I got my I got it to work right at the end. So that's going to do it for us here. Uh, technical difficulties and everything aside, uh, squeaky noises and all that from the other side. Um, thank you guys pumps. for joining. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Some pumps too. Yes, thank you all for uh, joining us. You can follow us all on Twitter. Zach is at Brav Z. George is at Roto underscore Nino. I'm at Mike underscore Curl. And don't forget to check us out on skplaybook.com. And don't forget to check out our community. Two ninety nine a month. You can join us on our Discord, hang out, get you know extra stuff, AMAs. We're gonna be starting up a whole bunch of stuff once George is back from vacation. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't forget though, if you're still listening, if you didn't press end up by now, five star rating review, just a rating. You just have to click the five stars. You don't have to leave a review. A review is just bonus, cherry on top type of deal. It goes a long way. Spotify apparently does it now, so that's helpful. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. I named everything. So yeah, again, appreciate you all for listening, and we will talk to you guys soon.